So today's daf is daf pei hey, page 85 in Meseches Yavamis. And we got up to Ika da Amri. It is the fifth line from the top of the Amud. Okay? Now remember, we had two Vimudim yesterday, and we're just quickly wrapping up this idea. We're wrapping up the Sugya, and we're trying to figure out um, why we need two Psukim telling me that a man, Kayin, is prohibited from, from uh, becoming Tameh, but a woman is, is not Aser. We brought multiple Psukim. Um, teaching us that in general a man and a woman are going to be the same and we want to know why we need multiple psukim so the Ikadamri is wrapping that up they want to get into a new sugya let's, let's get going Ikadamri there are those who say that there's a diff- that the reason why we need two psukim is because kicha it's shrikhale the posuk about kicha about taking is really what's needed to teach me a chiddush I would have thought to say without the posuk of kicha Ligmar mi tuma, we should learn out from tuma that the same way by tuma, only a man kohen, only a kohen is prohibited from becoming tummy, but a koheness is allowed to become tummy. So I would say the same way over there, a woman and man have different halachas, so too in general. You'll say just because something's prohibited to a man, it should not be prohibited to a woman, which is a mistake. Because we know by prohibitions, anything, right? The difference between men and women are by positive commandments sometimes that are time-bound. Yeah? Time-bound. Now, a negative commandment or a don't do, everybody's the same. There's no nafkamina. No Says it more like this. Listen, if you're going to bring me a buzzing agicha and you're going to tell me that a kohen and kohenos actually are different when it comes to toma, that a woman's allowed, a kohenes is allowed to become tummy, I would think that applies across the board. Therefore, kamash malan, therefore, kicha is needed to tell me that in general, women are included in the same transgressions, a kohenes is included in the same transgressions as a guy. Over here, by Toma, particularly, they're not. Okay, period, end of that conversation. Here we go. All right, now, this is really a new sugya, which we mentioned yesterday. Now, yesterday, remember, there are some transgressions that we'll call it a two-way responsibility. By both the husband and wife. Some, we're going to put more responsibility on the man. Now, before we even talk about, you know, it's responsibility for the prohibition. Okay? Now, before we even, that, that's going to be a big focus of the sugya today. But before we even get there, the, the Gemara now is going to focus on the statement which we said. And that is that a Kohenes... A kohenes can marry a cholo. Okay? A kohenes can, can marry a cholo. There's nothing wrong just because she comes from a family of kohenim with her marrying a cholo. A cholo is somebody who was a kohen, but is coming, uh, whose father and mother, you know, uh, was a kohen gadol to an almana or a regular kohen to a grusha to a divorcee. And this child comes to this, he loses his kohen status. But to marry a kohenes is okay. Here we go. Rav Papa, Rav Huna, Rav Yeshua. Rav Papa and Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yeshua. Iklu lehintzva laasrei deravidi baravin and boim inayu. They visited the city of Huntzva where Ravidi baravin lived and they asked, Huzaruk sheiras linasei lepsulim aylai. Can a kohenes marry a cholol or not? Is there an issue with that? Because a cholol, there's something wrong with his status. Maybe we'll say a woman from a family of kohanim should be careful. That's the shayla. Okay? They're not challenging. They are 
uh, they are searching for an answer. Amar Lahur of Papa. Sir Papa said, listen, Tanisua, I'll show you from a Mishnah what the halach is. Asara Yochsen Alababa, listen to this fascinating Mishnah. There were ten groups of Yochsen, ten groups of Yichos that came up from Eretz Yisrael, from Babel to Eretz Yisrael by the second base of Mikdash. Who were the ten groups? Kahanim, Levian, the Yisraelim, Chalalim, Gerim, Vicharurim, okay, now uh, everything until now were clear, right, <laughs> except for Charurim, so that is an Eved Shichrer, an Eved Kanani that was freed. Mamzerim, Nisinim, remember they were the Gevainim, right, the Nisinim were the Gevainim that were causing troubles at the times of Yeshua and David Hamalach went back there and, and, uh, and uh, solidified that people would not intermarry with them. Shtuki, Right? What's a shtuki? A kid whose mother says, shh, quiet, when he asks where his father is. But a Sufi, and an Asufi. Okay. Now, what's an Asufi? This is somebody who either parent, we don't really know. It's, it's the word Asufi is from the word gathered in. If you find a little baby on your doorstep, child on your doorstep, you don't, know, you don't know where this kid comes from. You don't know anything about him. So the child's an Asufi. So the groups of Kahan Yisraelim can intermarry with each other. Levim Yisraelim Chalolim Gerim Becharurim Levim Yisraelim Chalolim Gerim and Charurim Mutarim Lavizabazet. Now notice when it comes to Chalol over here, all of a sudden we took out the Kahana. You understand? In the look, look what's happening. What was the question? The question is, can a Kohenus marry a Chalol? And we're trying to answer because we said there are ten groups that came up from Bavel. Kahanim Levim Yisraelim make it intermarry. Then look at the new list. Levim Yisraelim, Chalalim, Gerim, Becharurim, they can intermarry. But can a Kohen intermarry with a Chalal? It seems not. Okay. Mutarim Lavezabazet, Gerei Charure, Mamzeri Nesini Shtuki Vasufi, they are Mutarim Lavezet, they can intermarry with each other. The Ilu Kayahanas, the Chalal, like a Tani. But Kahanas to Achalal, the Mishnah didn't stay, say that it's allowed. So it seems to imply that Kahanim cannot marry Chalalim, and that would be the answer, says Rav Papa. Okay, pretty straightforward. Step one, searching for information. What's the halacha? Step two, a Kohenas cannot marry Achalal. Okay. Step number three, says the Gemara, no, there's no proof from that Mishnah. Of the ten groups, you know why? Whenever you have these men who marry women from a different group, that's what we're talking about with their mutter. Since a kain, if he wants to marry a halala, you're not allowed to do that. It's like a tani, we didn't list it. Answers the Gemara like this. Ready? In all the cases, listen closely, this is very logical, but just follow along. In all the cases that we listed, it's a two-way street, meaning, Kohanim Leviim Yisraelim. Both men and women can marry each other. The next group said, Leviim Yisraelim, Chalalim, Gerim, um, Harurim, they can marry. Now, that seems to imply a Kohen, a Kohen cannot marry a Chalol, and a Chalala 
a Kohen cannot marry a Cholol, and a Kohenes also would not have been able to. To which her papa is responding, no. All the cases that we listen to Brisa are both when it applies equally to men and women. But maybe this Mishnah is actually talking about the prohibition of men. And you know why we don't mention the Kohen marrying the Cholol? Because it wouldn't equally apply to a woman. I don't know if I'm articulating this well, if I'm expressing this well. Let's say this again. Let's say this again. Both men and women apply, all these halachas apply both to a man Yisrael, man Levi, uh, Mamzer, and it applies equally to all the women in every category. Says Rav Papa, the case of the Cholol may very well be focusing only on, the reason why we left out Cholol marrying Kohen is because we know it's true, a Kohen cannot marry a Chalalah. And that's why we left it out. But to imply that a Chalalah has a prohibition, there you have no proof. There you have no proof. Maybe it's taka a one-way street in that circumstance. You understand? Is a Kohenes allowed to marry a Chalo? Maybe, yeah. So why didn't you list it? Because a, because a Chalala cannot marry a Kohen. Maybe that's why it's not listed. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, it's a, that it, it goes both ways. Okay? And they came in front of the Barov and and he says to them, Dardiki, Dardiki is an expression of, of uh, young ones. Children. There's no problem. There's no problem. Okay? So they quoted a Mishnah. They quoted a Mishnah. Rav Papa said, I have a proof from this Mishnah that a Chalala cannot marry a Kohen. It's on her. Okay? And the Gemara says, no, no proof to Rav Papa. And comes along Ravidi Barovin and he says, listen, Kindelach, Kindelach, everybody stop the conversation. Let me tell you what's happening. Bottom line is that a Kohenes is not, does not have a prohibition on her from marrying a Cholol. Okay, two dots, end of that conversation. Okay. I think there's a fascinating idea also just to take from this last step. You know, we're, we, we've been going back and forth in this halacha until finally the Vidbarovan comes along and he's like, listen, everybody just take it easy. Take a step back. I hear everybody's opinions, but here's the bottom line. Let's move forward. Despite the difference of the, despite the different opinions, we're all going to move forward together. Okay. Uh, Secondary Arias, which means Dirabanan. So says the Gemara, The sons of Biri asked a question searching for information from Rav Sheshes. Okay. Now let's remind ourselves what case we are going on. So the Mishnah, at the beginning of our parak, on Daf Pei Dalid, the Mishnah had said that interestingly, a secondary Arias. That is Asr Midra Bonon. Um, we said she's going to be, you know, um, if let's say 
she was a, y- a Yavama that fell from a rabbinically forbidden relationship and she falls to the brother, the brother's going to do Chalitza and not Yibam. And we also said she doesn't get a Ksuba and anything else that goes along with the Ksuba. Right? The payros, the mezonos, the food, the, the, the bolos, the worn out clothing. Right? Okay, fine. Says the Gemara, very interesting. Vomenei of Biri, of the the people of Biri asked the uh, Shaila to Rav Sheshesh. What if a woman is Asur and she's a secondary Arias to the husband, but she's not secondary to the Avam? Does she have a Tuva from the Avam or not? Now, what's the Shaila over here? Very interesting Shaila. Since the Tana taught us Ksubas al Nechse the reason why the second, but whenever you have a Yava marrying her, the Ksuba gets paid off with the estate of the first husband, Celestla. We should say she doesn't get a Ksuba because her original marriage was forbidden rabbinically, and the Mishnah said her a rabbinic forbidden marriage, there's no Ksuba. Ah, I don't, or maybe. Since if. There, there would, he, he wouldn't be able to take from the estate of the first husband. To Kino the Rabbanan Mishani, the Rabbanan say, listen, you're, they're going to take from you as a backup. Right? The halacha is, if a Yavama falls to a Yavam, so initially we're going to take from the estate of the brother to pay off for Ksuba. If there's no money there, we're, gonna, we're ta- actually going to take from the second brother. So that seems to imply that there's the, the guarantee is coming from the estate of the Yavam, which she's permitted to, so maybe she would be entitled to a Ksuba. Isla, maybe she does get exubus. That's the Shaila. You hear? Fascinating Shaila. Do you say about the initial promise? Or, and therefore there's no Ksuba, or do you follow the one whose estate guarantees the Ksuba, and that situation is a valid and permitted Ksuba, permitted marriage, because she's not a Shneel Arias to the brother, and she will get a Ksuba. Amr the Rav Shesha says, Rav Shesha says, and he soon learned to the price of Ksubasa, al nechse baila harishain, Okay. It is. So says the Gemara, listen. Says Rav Sheshes, Brysa says, the first husband's estate pays off the Ksuba. And therefore, very straight up, if she is Asamid Rabbanon to him, she doesn't get a Ksuba at all. So even though he's guaranteeing, even though the Avam's guaranteeing the Ksuba in general, there's no Ksuba there. Says the Gemara, but one second. This seems to imply that if the Yavam would have money, he would pay her Ksuba. Now, if he is paying her Ksuba, we're back to our question. Right? Says the Gemara, no. Let's explain. We'll explain the price. Ksuba, son, let's say by Larisha, when you have a woman who's rabbinically forbidden to her first husband and he dies childless, the Yava marries her. See, here's what happens. Her Ksuba really is the obligation of husband number one who she was forbidden to. The Elasle Marisha, and if there's not enough money in the estate of the first husband, Tikinula Mishani. Then the Rabbanan said it, they, they decreed, they made a takana. They decreed that she's going to be paid up her Ksuba with the. Yavam's money. However, if she was a secondary Arias to the husband, then she doesn't get anything. Period. So bottom line. Bottom line. Let's put this into two sentences. You have a woman who was rabbinically forbidden to be married. 
Her husband dies childless. She falls to the Yavam who she's allowed to marry. They get divorced. He dies. Where does she get her ksuba from? So here's the answer. Always, the first place you go to is the estate of husband number one. It's the first place you go. Okay? Now, if there's no money in the estate of husband number one, then it depends. In our case, she gets nothing. In our case, she gets nothing. However, let's say she, because in our case she was really rabbinically forbidden to her first husband, and she's not going to be able to take from the second husband. But in general, by a regular case of Yibam, where nobody's forbidden, Ruvain married Leah, no problem. Ruvain dies childless. She falls to Shimon. Shimon's the Yavam. He dies. In that case, we'll say, listen, if there's nothing left in Ruvain's estate, she could take from Shimon, because there was no prohibition initially. Okay, that's the answer. So when do you go to the Yavam as the backup? Only when all the marriages were permitted across the board. If the all the marriages were permitted, then she only gets exuba if there's any money in her first husband's estate. Okay. That's the bottom line. Bomini If a widow marries a kind godo. Now look at this case. Is it allowed? No. Rabbinically, no. Biblically, no. But is the, is the marriage valid? Yes. It's a marriage. It's just forbidden. Or Grusha Vachutz the Kain Hedja. Also. Forbidden, but it's a marriage. Yeshla Mezainais, Ayenla Mezainais. Incredible Shaila. Does, does she have the right to demand that it's a valid marriage, to demand that the estate of her husband gives her sustenance? Okay? Now, is her husband alive? Is her husband not alive? What's happening here? And I want to mention something. I want our minds to get thinking over here. You ready? Just to preface the Gemara, it's going to, make, it's going to help a flow gishmak. Listen closely. This is, this, is, this, is, this is new, Hever. This is beautiful. Listen closely. You have a divorcee that marries a Kohen. The question is whether he's obligated to give her mezonos, give her food. Now, Let's, let, let's just talk about this for him. Is he alive or dead? And should there be a difference? So if we were to think about this by ourselves, we would actually notice, in general, a husband has to support his wife with food, with nezonos. Now, if he dies, there's actually more room to say she can be fed by his estate. Because since the marriage was valid and there's no prohibition happening here anymore because he's D-E-D, right? He's dead. So, where did I get that? Kids always say D-E-D. Okay, right? So, there's logic would say maybe she should be sustained. But if he's alive, maybe we would look at this and say, you know, they're not allowed to be together. Let's make this hard on them. Let's give her a reason to want to walk away. Maybe we shouldn't allow her to be sustained by this. Yeah? It's interesting stuff. Here we go. Says the Gemara. Hey, Chidami, what's the case of our Shaila? What's the case of the Shaila about whether she should get Mazenus? 
Elema di Yosva to say, Ba'amud Vahitzikai, Mizaino Sisla. So let's read this step by step. Elema again. Elema di Yosva to say, if you're going to say they're living together, Ba'amud Vahitzikai. Over there, he has to stand up and send her out. He's obligated to divorce her. Mizaino Sisla. Are you going to tell me there's an obligation in Mizaino? This is incredible. Why? Because of the logic that we said. We don't want her to be happy. We want to do whatever it takes to make her want to walk away. So you know what we should do? Make life hard and say there's no Mazinus. Go get rid of her. Give her a divorce. So light shricha. So really, you know where the Shaila's needed. Here's what happened. The husband is out of town. He went off to Antarctica on an expedition. The loves of the Achla. And while her husband, who she was forbidden to be married to, because he was a kayan, she was a divorcee, while he's out of town, she borrowed money because she had to eat. Now, usually the husband has to pay that back because he was obligated to feed her the whole time. And if he, if he didn't, she could borrow money and send him the bill. But over here, my, what's the halacha? Do we put the responsibility on the husband? Do we say, ready for this, it's amazing, that the obligation to give your wife food is part of the ksuba obligation, and therefore, Islam is and therefore, the same way a divorcee to a Kohen would receive a ksuba, she also would receive sustenance, and therefore, he would have to pay off her debt. I don't, or maybe ksuba de la mishka omefak isla. Maybe the perfect the, the purpose of the ksuba is to give her something to walk away with after the marriage. Mizaine domatakov gabe lesla, but mizainis which might have her stay with him, we're not going to give it to her. Meaning, you know, if you have like this, this is amazing. This is gishmak, guys. Listen to the logic. This is amazing. Cover. You have a coin married to a divorcee. You know what? We, we don't want them to be together. We want to encourage divorce. Okay. Says it more like this. Here's what you should do. Here's what you should do. Perhaps. Perhaps. Here's what you should do. Give her the ksuba. Tell her she has a ksuba. You know why? She could walk off with a year's worth of salary. That's encouraging for her to walk away. But as far as the obligation to support her with food, no, 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 no. In other words, we want to do whatever it takes so that the woman will be encouraged to walk away. So don't give her food during the marriage and give her a ksuba for walking away. Ah, that's the shayla. That's the shayla. Okay? So says the Gemara, Amar Lei, Sir B'Echron answered the shayla, Lesla. Lesla, Lesla means she does not get mezaynas. We taka. It actually is, we encourage, we want to encourage her to, to, to not have anything comfortable in the marriage and to walk away. There's another price that says that uh, she does get the Mazinus and he would have to pay her back if he's, over, if he's, if he's in Antarctica. And the Gemara, that's only the Acharmisa. Meaning, Kishmak. You have a husband who goes off to Antarctica, he's a Kayan married to a divorcee. The wife borrows money so that she could eat food. Okay. Do, does the husband have to pay it back? See, here's the halachi. Ready? If he comes back in a vertical position, he does not have to pay it back. 
because, you know, it's going to lead to Shalom Bayez problems. And then she might walk away off of this. But if he comes back horizontal, right, he comes back in a box. So then we're going to say she could be fed by his estate because she's not going to be married to him anymore anyway. Again, what's the whole purpose of not giving her the Mazaynas? So they shouldn't live together. If he's, if, if, if he's going to be six feet under, they're not going to be together. And therefore, no, uh, and, and therefore let, her, let his estate pay off her debt. We don't have a problem with that. Okay. Ista Omar, there are some who say the conversation was a little different. Omar Le Rabbechanan answered the Shaila. Tanya will learn to write say Yeshla that she does, she, she can force him to pay off her debt. Says the Gemara, why should she? Why should we we uh, say that her, that uh, he should pay off her debt? We want her to be unhappy and leave. Why you make? Why are you encouraging them to be together? Says the Gemara, but there's a price which says he does. Okay, same points, just expressing the conversation a little different. Period. End of that conversation. Okay, here we go. Tanu Rabbonon. Yeah, good? Clear? Tanu Rabbanu, the rabbis learned, and so should we. Almana l'kayin gadol. A widow marries a kayin gadol. Forbidden, but valid. Grusha v'chalutza l'kayin hedin. A divorcee, or a chalutza to a regular kayin. Forbidden, but valid. What's the halacha? Here we go. Yesh l'ksuba. She gets a ksuba. Peiraiz. Mizainaiz. Blaiz. Now, keep in mind, all these things like payros, mezonos, blais, these are like things that come along with the ksuba. Okay? Blais is the, uh, the worn out garments. That if she brought anything into the marriage, then um, and, uh, even if it's used up, she could walk out with it. She could, she could take it back with her. Okay. Vihipsula. But even though she's getting her ksuba and everything else, so she's now puzzle, meaning... She became a halala. She's earned the status of a halala. Uvalad apostle. And their children are called halalim. Vikofinoso lahotzi. And we try, to, we try to pressure him to divorce her. Okay. So interesting. Again, the Brysa says, Widow to Kongado, divorce to coin. She gets a ksuba. She gets all the rights. Huh? But she, loses, she, she gains the status of halala, child's a halal, and we pressure them to divorce. Now, listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. What happens if the marriage was rabbinically forbidden? When it's biblically forbidden, she's going to get her ksuba. What if it's rabbinically forbidden? Says the Gemara. Hold on to your seatbelts. Here we go. Ain la ksuba. If you get into a rabbinic marriage, no, we're taking away your ksuba. Like peirais, like mezainais, like blois, v'ikshera, uvlad kosher, we're also going to force you to, we're going to pressure you to get divorced. Yeah, we will do that. However, there's no, uh, the, you, however, uh, you lose your ksuba. All right. Chavra, listen up. We're going to see a beautiful logic, but for now, this should be bothering us. Again, a woman gets involved in a biblically forbidden marriage, she gets a ksuba. But she gets involved in a rabbinically forbidden marriage, no ksuba. Okay? Now, keep in mind something. 
And here's what we need to know for the answer for pretty much everything here. And that is, why would we take, give or take away a ksuba? This is all up to the, the chacham and what they want to do. The chacham were the ones who enacted the ksuba. The whole purpose of either giving a ksuba or taking away a ksuba is to encourage separation. That's our goal. So keep that in mind. Now here we go. Says the Gemara. Amr of Shimon Elazar. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, Why did we say Amr Why Because he's a halal and she becomes a halala. Ready for this? Anytime that both of their statuses are getting messed up, top of Amr Beis, the Chachamim are gonna are gonna. Give him a knas, give him a fine, and we're going to say to the Kayan, you got to pay her a ksuba. And why by the Chacham do we say she loses a ksuba? Because you know what happens by a rabbinically forbidden marriage? You know what happens to the Kohen and Kohenes? The, the, I'm sorry, to the Kohen and the divorcee? Nothing. Not Kohen divorcee, that's, that's biblical. Yeah, she becomes a halala. A rabbinically forbidden marriage. Something that's me the Rabbanon. If they get together, yeah, uh, the, yeah um, uh, let's say uh, a grandmother. That's also me, Divrei Seifer. You know what's happening? Nothing. They don't lose their status. Nothing's happening over here. Since there's no other knas, there's no other fine, they're not losing their status. Therefore, we got to do something else. And you know what we're going to say? No ksuba for you, lady. You hear this? This is amazing. Reason, on the surface, it seems like, what? You're allowing a ksuba by a rabbinic and not by a biblical? To which the Gemara answers, yes. Because by, by a biblical transgression, it's a bigger pressure on them to become halalim and to lose their status and to gain their children lose their status. That's enough pressure that we don't need to take away the ksuba from her. We want women to have rights to ksuba. We want them to have rights to ksuba. This is what protects women. It's not easy. So men just don't marry them and divorce them and there's no penalty. No. You're gonna have, you know, this is a commitment. However, if there's nothing else to pressure with, then we're going to take away the ksuba to make it that she doesn't agree to a marriage in her first place. She's going to say to her husband, listen, this is a, he's, going to, he's going to say, it's only rabbinically forbidden. Big deal. Let's do this. She's going to say, okay, maybe it's no big deal to you, but I... I'm the one who's going to be left hanging. If this doesn't work out, I'm not getting a ksuba, so I'm going to think a thousand times before getting involved in this marriage. I have no protection if I get involved, and that's what's going to cause the, the marriage to not happen. Who knows? We're looking for any way that we can, that, that we can ideally apply the pressure. Rabbi Amir Rabbi says, Halalu de Braytaira, the ones that are biblically forbidden for Debraytaira, in Srikh and Chizik. Halalu de Braytaira, another thing. And that is a, a svara, a logic that we come along often, and that is when, when something is biblically forbidden, it has enough clout on its own. You don't need to start finding ksubas. However, if something's rabbinic, people sometimes take rabbinic things lighter, and therefore we have to come down with a stricter penalty. Hence, that's another reason why we remove the ksuba. Another reason is, zehu margila vizuhi Margilase. When it comes to the biblically forbidden relationships of the where he becomes a, a halal and she becomes a halala, so um, usually what happens is is that it's the man who's not allowed to be the one to marry. She really could, as we learned, right? In other words, you have a kohen that comes over to a um, to a divorcee. The the issue is his way. 
He's a Kayan. He can't marry her. So what's he going to do? He really so badly, oh, he's falling in love with her. He mamish wants to marry her, yeah? So he's going he's gonna to do whatever he could. We're going to say, okay, listen, the, the, the issues, she's not a coin. The issues on you, so you know what we're going to do? You're going to have to pay a ksuba. Kayan, you're not getting off easy. However, by a secondary arayas, okay? So then it's a decision on both their parts. It's her responsibility just as much as his responsibility, and therefore we want it that she has something to lose by getting involved in this, and hence we take away the ksuba. Says the Gemara, who taught the last reason of the davar acher? He's, and he's giving a reason to his earlier svara. Meaning, why did we say by the biblical obligation where he's a chal, he becomes a chal, she becomes a chalala that he's going to have to pay the ksuva because this is his responsibility. He's the kayan. He's the one who, who convinced her to get into this. And why by a derabonon did we say there's going to be a ksuva? Because she's also the one who was equally involved, an equal partner in this, and therefore we're going to penalize her with the ksuvi. Some say that Rav Katanila, a Rebbe, I'm sorry, Rebbe Katanila. It wasn't that it was Rav Shem ben Elazar, rather it was the pin of Rebbe the Chalutza Kokashile. And Rebbe was bothered by the case of Chalutza. Why? Because the Chalutza the Rabbonon, the Islay Ksuba. This is amazing. Chalutza. Yeah, is the Rabbanon, and she still gets a ksuba. So why is it that when a Kohen marries a Chalutza, she's getting a ksuba? We should put her in the same category as a Shniyas Larayas, where you lose a ksuba. Hadaramar, so then Rabbi said, Kivan the Apostle Amid Rabbanon, since it was, it was Apostle Mid Rabbanon, okay, Zehu Margila, this, it must be, that he is that again, even though it's the Rabbanon, it's still a prohibition on the coin to marry the Chalutza. It's still his problem. And therefore, since he's the one convincing her to go ahead with this, telling her she has nothing to lose, Vizui Margilosai, but in the other case, where the whole thing was was the Rabbanon, Vashniyas Larayas, so then we're going to take away the Ksuba. That's why you can find the Nafkamina, even within the Dirabanons, because by one Dirabanon will still put the Achrayas, the responsibility on him. Okay. Gewaldik. Says the Gemara, my Ika bain Rebbe Lerev Shimon ben Elazar. Now, remember, we just pointed out that one possible approach to who's the Tana is going to be Rebbe Shimon ben Elazar. Okay. We want to know who's the, who's the one who gave the Dover Acher of that it depends whether we put the responsibility on the Kayan for convincing her or on both of them. So the first way to view it was Rav Shem ben Elazar. Okay. Um, and uh, the second way to view it is that the opinion of Rebbe. Says the Gemara, Ma'ika ben Rebbe le Rav Shimon ben Elazar. What is the difference between Rebbe and Rav Shimon ben Elazar? Amr of Chizkiz says, Mamzeres and Asina, the difference is going to be a Mamzeres and Asina who marries a Yisrael. Manda Amr Daraisa, Rebbe, who holds that um, there's a Ksuba by Din Daraisa, Hanami Daraisa. So even over here, Mamzeres to Yisrael is also Daraisa, there should be a Chi of Ksuba. There's an obligation to give her a Ksuba. Manda Amr Neshu Margila, but according to the one who says that the dominant position, the first opinion of Shimon Elazar, who says the main problem is. When you could look at the husband and say, why'd you convince her to marry you? Why'd you do that? 
We're putting the responsibility on you, Mr. Kohen to Chalutza, Mr. Kohen to divorcee. You're the one who the time, who the claim is against. Yeah? So when you have a mamzeres to marry a Yisrael, listen to this, it's incredible. The mamzeres to the Yisrael, does she have anything to lose? No, she's a mamzeres. She has to convince the guy. She has to seduce the guy. Right? Because otherwise it's a prohibition. He's not trying to convince the mamzeres. He has the whole, he has the Yisrael available to him. She has nobody available, so she's the one convincing. Ah, so he margilale, and maybe we'll, and therefore we'll say, according to that opinion, she would lose her ksuba. Incredible. According to Rabbi Yezer, who says that if, that uh, if you have a, um, a, a child of a mamzer and a and a shivcha um, kananis, then the child keeps the status. Then. The, the halacha taka would be that, you know, either way, she's not going to be able to convince him because go, go try to find a mamzeres who's going to be able to convince a regular Yisrael to marry her when we know for sure all their kids are going to be mamzerim. Not happening. Not happening. She's not even going to try it because that's a ridiculous thing to, uh, to run after. Okay. Omar... Rev Ella Amar Abiyasif. Rather, Abiyasif says, I'll tell you what an Afkamina, what a difference between Rebbe and Roshim and Elazar could be. Machsir Grushosa and Mishanises Ikebinai. The difference is going to be the case of Machsir Grushosa. Remember this case? You have a man who marries a woman, they get divorced, she marries someone else, he dies, or they get divorced, and then the first husband takes her back. That is forbidden. If you divorce a woman, you're not allowed to remarry her if she married somebody else in the interim. According to the opinion, I'm sorry, I lost the place. According to the opinion that that um, that when you have a daraisa prohibition, there's still going to be a ksuba. Hanami daraisa. This is isra daraisa. She should get a ksuba. And according to the opinion, who says that no, no, that he convinced her to marry him. She's the one who convinced him. Yeah, why is she the one who convinced him? Because the Misa, uh, she was usher uh, as, as soon as she remarried the other guy. She's causing the problems. Says the Gemara, Ula Rebbe Akiva, and according to Rebbe Akiva, Damar Yesh Mamzer Mir. According to Rebbe Lazar, remember, remember Rebbe Lazar's strict opinion. Whenever you have a negative transgression, the kid's going to be a Mamzer. It is. She can never convince him to marry her again because we're going to have the same problem as a Mamzeris running after Yisrael. Those kids are all going to be Mamzerim. And according to Rabbi Kiva, these kids will be Mamzerim too, and that's enough to stop the marriage. So that's not a good enough reason either to tell me the, the, the nafkamina between, the difference between Rabbi and Rav Shem and Elazar. So we're going to try another approach. El Amar of Papa, rather Papa says, Be'ula, um, be, uh, Be'ula the kain gadol ikabinai. The difference is going to be a be'ula to a kain gadol. A be'ula is a woman who's lost her virginity. All right, she's had relations before. Remember, we learned the positive commandment for a kain gadol: isha zayna v'chalala la'ikahu. You can't marry a isha zayna v'chalala. Okay, but who are you allowed to marry? Kiim. Who's he? A besula. Only a virgin. 
Now, Ba'ula is not included in the negative transgression, but in the positive, it's not either, because she's not a virgin. She's Ba'ula. So, Ba'ula is going to be different. According to the Mandi Amaru says that if, the, if she's ushered to the Kohen Gadol biblically, you're still going to get a ksuba. Hanami daraisa, she should have a ksuba. Umanda abneishu margila. According to the opinion, says that that uh, she's com- that it's the husband convincing her to get married. Hahi margila lay. We could say that maybe she's the one trying to convince him. Why? Because she's the one here with the lack. We'll call it with the bodily issue standing in the way of the relationship, and therefore she's gonna the the kohen has. Other people had, uh, you know, uh, available. And she's the one who stands to have less to lose. And hence, she wouldn't get a ksuba. Who says there's a chol even by chavi asay? Because this is, he's transgressing the asay. The kohen is going to be transgressing the asay of marrying a virgin. Because here he's marrying a non-virgin. If you hold the kids a chol, he's got something to lose. She's not going to be able to convince him. So that can't be a case either. So we tried three times to try to find the difference between Rebbe and Rushim and Elazar, and we haven't found it yet. Yeah, so let's try again. Elam Ravashi, Rather Ravashi says, Maxir Suffix The difference is going to be when a man takes back his wife after she is a Suffix Saita. A Suffix Saita. Okay. Now, once a woman enters the category of a saita, she's forbidden to her husband. That's what, a saita in general is a suffix, okay? She's going to be forbidden to her husband. And now he takes her back. So it's a biblical, biblically, he's not allowed to take her back. And according to the opinion who says that the reason why she would lose, a, uh, the reason why she should get a ksuba is because he's convincing her, over here, She's the one convincing him because she's the one again with the issue. He's not the one. That, she's the one who became a saita. Ulder of Masiyah ben Charash says Gemara according to Masiyah ben Charash, the Amar Afilu Halach Ba'al Ashkaisi Ba'al Lebederach Asazayna, who says that even if the husband himself, let's say she becomes a zayna, on the way to Yerushalayim, she she becomes a saita. They're on your way to Yerushalayim to drink, and they have relations on the on the way in. She becomes a zayna because forbidden. Halay Margil Levalay Midi. So then also. That's not on her. That's on him. Because otherwise, she's going to become a Zaina. Alam Ravashi, Saita Vada Ika Beinayu. We're dealing with a case where a husband had relations with his wife who's a Saita Vada. Since she's a Saita Vada, a confirmed Saita, a definite Saita, that's Isra Dai Raisa. You're still going to get your Ksuba according to Rabbi. But if Shimon Elazar says, since she is the Saita, the problem's coming from her, her end. She's the one who's the Saita. Since coming from her end, she should lose her ksuba. We should penalize her and take away her ksuba. Period. End of that conversation. We will um, uh, hold it here for anybody who wants to log off. We will keep going, though. Let's finish the daf. We'll pick up from here tomorrow, Mitzvah, with the, with the new Mishnah. Let's get going, though, to finish off the daf. Bas Yisrael, Mu'reses, the Kayin. If you have a regular Yisraelis who is Mu'ris, who has the first step of marriage, is acquired in marriage to a Kayin. Okay. Meuberes mekayin, or she becomes pregnant through a kayin. Okay, so either she's an arusa, she becomes pregnant. Shemeres yavam lekayin, or you have a case of a woman who's waiting for marriage to a kohen. Vechain, okay, her husband was a kohen, his brother's a kohen, and she's waiting for the brother to do yibum. He could do that. She's just a widow. Vechain bas kayin liyisrael. 
In all these cases, these women, despite their relationship to the Kohen, are not permitted to eat Chuma. Okay. Bas Yisrael Mu'uras If you have a Bas Yisrael who's Mu'uras, she has step one of marriage to a lady. Mu'uras Milevi. Or she is pregnant by a lady. Okay. Shemeras Yavam the lady. Or you have a Shemeras Yavam for a lady. Two brothers, Levium, and she's waiting for the Yavam. V'chein Bas Levi Li Yisrael. Same way, if it was a Kohen, she can't eat Shuma. If it's a Levi, she cannot eat from the Maiserisha. Bas Levi, Mu'ures is the Kohen. Let's say you have a daughter of Shevet Levi, who's step one of marriage to a Kohen. Mu'ures me Kohen. She's pregnant by a Kohen. Shemeres Yavam the Kohen. Or you have a Levia who's waiting in marriage for a Kohen Yavam. And similarly, a daughter of a kain to a levi, you lose out on everything. You cannot eat truma or miser. Okay. And Bezshem, tomorrow we will uh, get on to the Svaras, but let's just get started. Says the Gemara, Why, why don't we consider her a Zara? A Zara means an outsider. Okay? Meaning, when we say that a Bas Yisrael who has Arison to a Levi, Bas Yisrael is Arison to a Levi, okay? So, or a, or a Bas Levi that's married to a Yisrael. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. A Bas Levi that's married to a Yisrael, like, uh, you know, what does that mean? With the Hey Zara, why don't we consider it to be a regular Yisrael? Zara mila yachem a Miser, a Zara cannot eat Miser, okay? And, and uh, the Gemara is actually, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Ask the Gemara Gaval the Kishayla. Says the, an excellent question. The Gemara says, listen, if you're not a Kayin, can you eat Truma? No. If you're not a Levi, are you allowed to eat Miser? If a Levi invites you over for a barbecue, for Miser that is his, are you allowed to eat it? Yeah. Miser you give to a Levi. It's not Miser Shane that I take to you, Shalim. Miser you give to a Levi. So ask the Gemara. What's up? I could eat miser. I'm a Rachel Mashmul. Hamani, Rav Meir. He, a ton of our missions. Rav Meir, Damar Miser Rishon, Aser Lizarim. Rav Meir argues. He says Miser Rishon. If a lady invites you for a barbecue, a miser, you're not allowed to eat it. The Tanya, because we learned in a brisa, Truma Lakayin, a Miser Rishon, the Levi, Truma Lakayin, Truma goes to a Kayin, Miser Rishon, the Levi, Miser Rishon is eaten by a Levi. Give Rabbi Meir, which seems to imply. Only a Levi. Okay? Only a Levi. Fine. Let's hold it here. We're going to but Besham tomorrow we're going to go back and uh, restart the Mishnah. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody. Besham tomorrow evening, same time, 7, 10 p.m. Uh, Gitanacht.